Well, hello. Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and the circumference of my head is 22 inches. And I'm Jesse, and the juice and canned tuna fish weirds me out. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and guitars. We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. It's fast God stuff. So Conrad, what are we talking about today? Well, today we're going over why do I suffer? Two, three, four, why do I suffer? My Wi-Fi is so slow, nobody likes my Facebook posts. Why do I suffer? Starbucks didn't have my almond milk today. So what's the deal with this topic? Why are we talking about suffering today? Well, because of sin, everybody suffers, including Christians. However, there are clear biblical reasons, not only for Christians to be able to glorify God through our suffering, but also to minister to those who are going through suffering, which is everybody, from little trials up to big tribulations. So why do we as Christians suffer? Actually, the Bible makes this pretty clear. So let's go to the main passage, Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, most Christians just stop there and they forget about the next part. Verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. So these verses are saying all things for those who love God, work according to the purpose of conforming us to the image of Christ. And Jesse, what is the fancy term for being conformed to the image of Christ? Ooh, that big theological term is sanctification. Sanctification. Brilliant. So that's the big point. Now, 1 Thessalonians 4.3 actually says the same thing. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Okay, so great. God wants to sanctify us. But now the question is, how does suffering fit into sanctification? So James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And it tells us why. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Notice it says, basically says the trials is the testing of your faith. Right. And then what's the first thing that it produces? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be what? Perfect and complete. Perfect like who? Perfect like Christ. And complete like who? Complete like Christ. Sanctification. So essentially what this verse is saying is God uses trials and tribulations to make us perfect and complete like Christ. Right. So now let's go to Romans 5, 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in what? Our sufferings, knowing that what? Suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character hope. Whose character is being produced by suffering? The character of Christ. Again, we're talking about sanctification. But now we have to answer, what does it mean to be more like Christ? What does sanctification mean? And really, it comes down to two things. Being like Christ in, one, his character, and number two, his behavior, which is obedience. So, Jesse, what are some of the traits of Christ? Well, when Christ was on earth, he was patient, kind, peaceful, Mm -hmm. long-suffering. Basically... What did you just list there? You list half the fruit of the Spirit, right? Fruit of the Spirit, right. Galatians 5, to 23 basically lists Christ's traits as, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ephesians 4.2 has a very similar list where it says humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. So Jesse, you do a bit of running, right? Sure. Okay. So let's say, have you run a, ever run a marathon before? I have not because oh. that is a long race. What, what's the longest you've done? 13.1. Oh, okay. That's that's same with us. That's good enough. A half marathon is fine. <laughs> it's a lot of miles. Okay, so if somebody if you wanted to train somebody to be able to run a marathon, somebody like me, uh, who's only done a half, what would you do? Well, here's the thing about running. You can only train to be able to accomplish the feat if you do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to run a lot. Okay. And then what would you do to train me? I would make you run a lot. <laughs> <laughs> This is my, my Jesse training program for running. It's one step. It's called run a lot. So how do you think I would feel by mile 25? I mean, you're not going to feel good, Conrad. I'm just going to be straight up with you. It's going to be painful. Your legs are going to hurt. And that's the point. The controlled physical exercise is what our body interprets as suffering. So in the same way, God is like our personal trainer, Absolutely. personal coach. So in the same way, God, our coach, puts us through spiritual exercise, which we interpret as suffering so that he can make us more like the ultimate marathoner, Christ. Right. Those afflictions are training us up to get those Jesus muscles. So, but if you had, if you were training a kid, and this happens a lot of time, like in middle school and coaches and stuff, when a coach has kids run laps, what, do, what is their typical response? So here's the thing. When I was in high school, I played tennis. I love tennis, oh, yeah. but this coach for the first two weeks of the entire tennis season, didn't even let us pick up a racket. Uh-huh. We couldn't even look at a tennis ball. All we did was run around this lake every <laughs> yeah. day. And we all hated it. And we yeah. hated him for it. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah. So what was the things that you guys were saying about him and, and, the, and the exercise? That this is ridiculous. We want to play tennis. We don't okay. want to run. Okay. But did it pay off? It actually did. <laughs> okay. Good. And so by the, by the end of the year, this worked out great for us. <laughs> But by the end of the season, when we were running all over the court, trying to cover all the shots that were being Mm -hmm. lobbed against us, we found out that we were in much better shape than most of our opponents. And it Mm -hmm. was all because of the running, of course. Okay. So did you guys basically win at the end of the matches? That's when you actually excelled? Yeah, we win and and then we entered heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect analogy. Works so well. (laughs) So if it's true that we use exercise as this controlled affliction, controlled suffering mm-hmm. to achieve this end. Something as small and trivial as just running a race. Yeah. How much more important and true is it that God, who is in control of all things, uses spiritual affliction and mm-hmm. trials to grow us into Jesus Christ? Right. And that spiritual exercise, I think, is the key that, you, to me, that's the thing that clicks. Right. Like, because it's so easy to complain about stuff, but I don't want to be that middle school kid Going, oh, I don't get it. Because really, I should get it if everything is glorifying to God, including my suffering. And I'm part of the category of those who love God. All things work together for my good, which is to be like Christ and which is growing basically Jesus muscles in me. Yeah. (laughs) And the great thing about it is God doesn't give you the same exercise routine. He Mm -hmm. gives you that spiritual CrossFit. He's yeah. like, sometimes in your life, in this season, you'll suffer with physical illness. Sometimes you'll suffer with the death of a loved one. Right. And other times you will have your dreams crushed. Yeah. But he will always be there as the coach, as the one who's guiding you, like you said. And through those things, he's growing the different muscle groups in you. And the different muscle groups are like 
love, joy, peace, patience, all those things and humility. So yeah, it's, it is like a spiritual CrossFit. Yeah, exactly. you're, you're totally right. He grows all, he's trying to grow all the muscles. But the thing is we have to be observant of going, okay, well, God is having me run all these laps and do all that stuff. Well, which fruit of the spirit is, is he trying to grow in me? Which brings me up to an application. So whenever you're going through suffering, what we need to do is going, okay, which one of the fruit of the spirit is God growing in me? And just pick a couple of them. It, it doesn't have to be every single one of them. It, because if you can just pick a couple, God's trying to grow my patience with my, you know, my car breaking down. Well, then that's the thing that you can be praying for. That's the thing that you could be working on. That's the thing that you can ask others to pray for you for. So yes, God might be growing a bunch of them. But for simplicity's sake, for practicality's sake, just pick one or two of them and go, okay, that's what God is trying to grow in me. Because being aware of them is a big part of growing. Exactly. Christ. That's the thing. Most people aren't aware that God is growing them. So right. they miss this whole opportunity that God is trying to grow them. And they go, oh, well, they just complain about it. And they actually don't grow from it or they don't grow as much as they could because they just don't get what God is trying to do. We got to transform our minds. Right. Be aware. So here's my 15 second fast God stuff summary. When we lose sight of God's plan of sanctification, we get focused on our suffering and incorrectly focus on what we're losing rather than on what we are gaining. God's sanctification process, which means making us more like Christ, oftentimes hurts, but it's for our own good, just like spiritual exercise. And it has both immediate and eternal effects. So praise and thank God that he takes the time to grow you to be more like Christ in order to love God and others more. really growing that silver. <laughs> so Jesse, how is God glorified through our suffering? That is a really tough question. And when I think of somebody whom I'm aware of that glorify God in their suffering, the first place that my mind goes is the Old Testament to the book of Job. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody That's knows Job one. because he endured some crazy suffering. We're not talking about the soft stuff, mm -hmm. not like the little pansy suffering, yeah. but here's a guy who understood and was well acquainted with some serious grief and misery. So everybody's familiar with this, the story of Job for the mm -hmm. most part. And one of the things that's really interesting about Job's suffering is that Job never actually learns what went on behind the scenes to yeah. invoke the suffering, right? That, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. So what happens is God actually, in the presence of Satan, boasts on Job and says, have you seen my mm -hmm. servant Job? He is blameless and upright. Mm -hmm. And Satan is provoked. And Satan asks the question, he's the only one confident and brave enough to ask the very thing that we all would be thinking in that situation if mm -hmm. we were there. And that was, well, Job only loves you. He's only obedient to you because you give him lots of stuff yeah. and you protect yeah. him. Mm -hmm. So take it away and we'll see what happens to Job. Mm -hmm. And God gives permission for Satan to do exactly that. Yeah. So Satan comes at him hard. And I think that that's going to be the big thing is God actually gives permission. Yes. He has control over Satan. He mm -hmm. gives him permission to intervene into Job's life. And that's exactly what he does. Mm -hmm. does. And he comes at him hard. Yeah. So he kills all his children, takes all his possessions, wipes everything out. And that would drive even the most resolute and stalwart person into like absolute despair. Yeah. And yet here is Job's response. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, naked, I came into my mother's womb and naked, I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Man. Can we ever get to that point? That Seriously. is amazing. So think about how unnatural that response yeah. is. And so we should be prone to ask, 
how could Job even say something like that? Yeah. And that's his immediate response. Now mm-hmm. I've had time to process, digest, and metabolize right. what's happened to me. Yeah. But I haven't gone through the five stages of grief. I, this has just happened. Mm-hmm. And I bow down in worship before God. So it's a totally unnatural response. And what we see is that Job was absolutely sure that God was always and in every way good, loving, and trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Those are the characteristics that he knew of God. It wasn't just like he knew them in the sense that he gave intellectual assent to these are things that could be true of God. Mm-hmm. Didn't go through God's trash, didn't stalk him, didn't drive by with his lights off to get to get a sense for what God was doing. But clearly he knew God personally mm-hmm. and was able to internalize those characteristics. And therefore he behaved in this way when suffering came upon him. Yeah. And when suffering came upon him, a lot of times what we as Christians, our first response is, Oh man, you know, something right. happened and they, the first thing is they complain. And that basically is the exact opposite of what Job does. And also what first Thessalonians basically tells us to do is in everything, give thanks. So his response immediately is essentially to give thanks to God and praise God. Right. And he also pushes against the words of his wife, who's the only one left alive in his life. Yeah. And what she says to him is she's no help. She's no help. She says, how about you curse God and die? And clearly Job doesn't do that. Yeah. So it shows that he has a real trust in God's character, Mm -hmm. that he is trustworthy. He knows him like a person. He knows him like a friend. He defends him by saying, I will refuse to curse God in that way. Yeah. He is still holy. I still worship him. And so just like Job, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to affirm God's loving control of any situation, understanding that God has ordained it for our good because he can only do good things. That's That's a good point. Yeah. That's why in 1 John 1, 5, we find this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So in other words, our suffering does not carry malicious intent. It's not for our destruction, but for our benefits. So the content of God is informed by his intent and his intent is always in every way for our good. So Conrad, when you referenced Paul's perspective on suffering earlier, when you were talking about Romans 8, where Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So we should probably ask again, does suffering work for good? If it falls underneath the category of all things and we fall under the category of those who love God. Right on. And those those two things are the key. And you should have a podcast. Oh, yeah, I should. (laughs) So here's one of the things that's really interesting about that particular passage is the expression work together is actually referencing a medical term. So consider this for an instant. If you go to the pharmacist and think about over-the-counter medication, Uh behind that giant counter is all this stuff that is absolutely poisonous to the human body. But several poisonous ingredients put together, being used skillfully by a pharmacist, make a powerful healing medicine and work together for the good of the patient. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what God does in our lives through his divine providence working together all these things that we can be confident as his children, that everything that happens to us, even incredible pain, disappointment, sickness, disappointments, all of that will come together to work for our good and for his glory. And yet, and what everyone misses is like, oh, well, how can God be glorified in all this bad stuff? Well, it's because it's making us more like Christ. And of course, us being more like Christ is going to be glorifying to God. Exactly. One of my favorite dudes of all time is this guy named Samuel Rutherford, who was a Puritan, somebody who came over in the early colonization of the Americas. And these guys came here because they were concerned for religious freedom. 
Mm-hmm. And they suffered greatly in doing that only because they left their friends, their family. They, they left the state which they are part of, but also because they came to New England and they didn't realize it was going to be like crazy cold or wicked cold, mm-hmm. as we would say. And so literally by the day they were dying. And so they were in a culture that understood something about just trying to stay alive for the next day. And yet yeah. they saw after the Lord so closely and thought that he was going to prosper them in this new place. And he wrote this about suffering, especially about sickness, which happens to, to us all. He says this, and sure I am, it is better to be sick, providing Christ come to the bedside and draw the curtains and say, courage, I am thy salvation, than to enjoy health, being lusty and strong and never to be visited by God. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's the relationship is what God is going after. And this whole metaphor of family that God uses all throughout the Bible, starting with God, the father, God, the son, and calling us his children. That is exactly what he wants. And that's the whole thing of loving God and loving others. It's all about family. Right. There's nothing else to it. Right. And a lot of times the suffering is basically removing those things that we are holding onto that we're gripping. And when we lose some of these things that we're gripping that don't involve family, we actually consider that suffering somehow. Right. What it says to us is this is an invitation to trust in God's love in all times, in all situations because of the cross. And so here we have our God coming to us on the cross. So this is not God like separate as it were on the deck chair, looking down on creation. This is God in the garden, God with us, God on the cross. So we have a suffering savior, Mm -hmm. somebody that leans in close to our pain. So when people say, why do bad things happen to good people? As far as I can tell, that only happened once. Once. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, honestly, we, sometimes we should just have like a gut check and remind ourselves that when we look at the cross, we're reminded that we will never suffer as much as we deserve. So are we in great trouble? If, if we're the kind of people that suffer like Job in any way, either sickness, death among us, disappointments, lost jobs, lost opportunities, lost loves, the good news is there is a promise from God that works for our good found in Psalm 91.15. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. So in other words, suffering promotes our communion and our relationship yeah. with God. So God doesn't bring his people into troubles and then leave them there. God will stand by us. He will hold our hands and our hearts when we are facing these difficulties. Right. And the application in all this is how do we glorify God more through our suffering? So we do that by giving him praise and thanks. And we can praise and thank him for his love and faithfulness because he takes the time not to leave us as spiritual infants, but takes the time to grow us to be more like Christ so that we can live a more effective and fulfilled life. We can also give God praise for his sovereignty because he's sovereign over the universe, as we learned in the story of Job, because he steers events to our benefit and his glory. And Job also teaches us in his worship that he has an intimate, actual relationship with God the Father, Mm -hmm. that he knows something about him, and that that relationship was established perhaps long before he actually entered suffering. So Mm -hmm. if you're not in a place now where you feel like you are burdened by suffering, this is especially the moment where we ought to fortify our relationship with God mm-hmm. for preparation for the times when we may be tested in right. this world. So here's the 15 second fast God stuff summary. Job teaches us that our trials prove the actual character of God by giving us an opportunity in our real desperation to experience the fullness of his strength, compassion, and love. Seeing these attributes firsthand leads us to worship him. That was an improv song right there that I wrote just now. It was beautiful. 
So I think that helps us understand a little bit more of how to love God better in suffering. But how do we love others more through our suffering? Okay, so I think there's two major categories of how we can love others. The first one is we can love others through our common past. And the verse I always used for this is 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, which says, Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So basically, this is in a practical way, this is basically saying, well, if you have cancer, then you can comfort those with cancer with the same comfort that God gave you during that cancer. Like the verses that helped you, you can give to them. And what you learned about God's faithfulness, you can give to them. So Jesse, let's say at your church, there's a teenage girl who isn't thin. She's pretty active and she watches what she eats, but she was just kind of built stock here and has a slower metabolism. So she has, so she's a little bit bigger and she has self-esteem issues. Describe to me the type of person she would most respond to. Probably would be someone who's shared that struggle in their life, has gone through a season of struggling Mm -hmm. with those very same things. Okay. Do you think they would take that better from somebody like you just described and probably a girl who went through that or somebody like me who's super thin and fit and has amazing abs, who has never had, (laughs) who never had a problem with their weight or body image and generally doesn't understand that struggle entirely. Right, because sometimes God allows us to suffer to help us to empathize with Mm -hmm. the real struggles of somebody else. Exactly. It's one thing to say, well, I have compassion. I can kind of give intellectual assent to the fact that you're Mm -hmm. suffering. It's another thing when it becomes heartfelt for you so that you may minister to somebody else. Right. Like, so if I just went to her with a bunch of theology verses saying, here's the reason for suffering versus somebody else who actually went through what she's dealing with, even if they don't come with all the Bible verses that I can give them, and they just come with Romans 8.28, and right. that's it. Well, that person is going to be able to minister way more than I can. And if anything, I might actually just turn her off because she's like, oh, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yes. So, Jesse, now let's say somebody, you know somebody that whose parents are going through a divorce. Describe to me somebody they would most respond to. Well, just like before, it's somebody who can come alongside and know that pain in a real way. Mm-hmm. That's actually lived and walked in that season of life. Yeah. And that's the thing, lived that and actually knows what they're feeling and actually can go, oh, well, your parents are doing that. This is what my parents did. And this is how tough it was on me. Right. And so really, it, a lot of this ministry is about the relationship building, the, the connection that you can have. And really, the, a lot of ministry is really that, is the relationship. So yes, having good theology is important. Mm-hmm. But good theology can only get you so far if you can't get your foot in the door. Right. A lot of times we think that suffering is intensely personal because it happens to us. Mm -hmm. It causes us pain, grief, and anguish. But when we do that, we fail to realize that because God has knit us together as a community, sometimes he's allowing me to suffer so that I can minister to you Mm -hmm. and that we're in this together. Right. So we shouldn't compartmentalize it and just think it's all about me, even in my suffering. So that was the first category of loving others, loving others who have a common past. The second category is loving others by proximity. Suffering many times takes place in situations we normally wouldn't have been, meaning that there's an opportunity to love others in that situation. So, Jesse, let's say your car breaks down. And this is what happened to me with my Camry just the other week. So my Camry, my Camry breaks down and then I need to get towed. What ministry opportunities might arise because of that? Well, every time that we encounter something in our life that is a roadblock to what we actually wanted, it's a test of whether or not we're going to show to others that we're willing to be thankful, to bless the Lord at all times, mm-hmm. as the psalm says. 
to be a good example and to glorify Christ. So even having a conversation with a tow truck driver mm-hmm. or your very attitude with how you behave exactly. yes. exhibits something about who you are and who you believe is in control, even in situations where your car is on a bridge and everybody's trying to get around you and yeah. you're acting crazy. Yeah. At that point, when I talked to the tow truck driver, if I had complained that entire time, do you think there would be any ministry opportunity there? No, definitely not. But if I had a good attitude and then gotten into a conversation with him, basically I can be fishing for ministry opportunities. So like, what kind of conversation would you try to get into with a guy that you're like fishing? And I think it would just be talking about not being worried about the situation. Cause mm-hmm. I'm guessing most people in that, that kind of, uh, in that tow truck cab are complaining about what's happened and they're mad. Right. And yeah. so just by explaining that you're not worried about it, that God's got it in control and that he orchestrated even that guy to pick you up. Yep. says something. Yeah. And also even just like little things of asking how his day went, getting them to talk and then looking to see, well, is this, is there a ministry opportunity here? Because what's the good of sanctification if you're not going to actually show it when it needs to matter the most? Right. Okay. So another common scenario, let's look at. So let's say let's you get, it. let's, let's say you get cancer, that you know, the big example. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you have to go to chemo and you have to spend a lot of time in the hospital. What opportunity ministries can arise there? So what makes God look so glorious, one of the many things, is when his children who are wholly committed to him, that trust in him for their actual breath in life, suffer really well in sickness. Mm-hmm. And when the medical professionals who serve them can see that they're trusting in God to carry them not just through the rest of their earthly life, but that there is a plan for them here and after. Mm-hmm. So when they see that, and that's not just a matter of having a good attitude, that's actually being a good witness and saying, no matter what comes, there is strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And when somebody can say through immeasurable pain and suffering that they love God and that he is in control and that he's almighty and good, that messes people up. Yeah. And not only that, it's not, so it's not just the medical professionals there. It could also be the other patients because you're sitting there for a long time. And I also think one of the biggest opportunity is if you're in the hospital for an extended amount of time and you have family visit you, and you can have that same attitude, these family members who are going through struggles of their own, if you can basically be a rock of theology and faithfulness, you'll be able to be an example to them as they're dealing with their own suffering, even if it's not cancer or whatever, but just suffering in general, that is an opportunity for you to be able to essentially give the gospel and say, this is how I'm dealing with suffering because I trust God and giving them the reasons why you trust God and why you're actually okay with the suffering that you're going through. So in the midst of your suffering, you're in a different situation that you normally would have been. And then just like any other situation, you have to be looking for ministry opportunities because that's what we're called to do is love others. You love others when you're well, you love others when you're sick. But a lot of times when we're sick, we forget that this is just another ministry opportunity, just like the rest of life. So here's the application in all this. When something happens that might be really small and might be a little trial or something as big that's life-threatening, there is an opportunity to love others. But you have to train yourself to do so. So start with this. Write down who can you minister to that has a similar past to yours, and two, who can you minister to that is in close proximity to you. So here's my 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. Christian suffering and trials are spiritual exercises perfecting and completing us to be more like Christ. So during suffering, one, identify which Jesus muscles, which fruit of the Spirit he is growing. Two, love God more by praising and thanking him for his attributes and works displayed 
through your suffering. And three, love others more by comforting those with similar afflictions to yours and by identifying ministry opportunities brought on by your suffering. Through this sanctification, we will be more like Christ, which means we'll be able to accomplish our purpose better, which is to love God and others. Well, your ears can finally stop suffering because that's all the time that we have for today. Too bad. Please make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Also, check out FastGodStuff.com where you will come face to face with true suffering. And that's a ringing endorsement for the website. (laughs) Until next time, love God. Love others. That's that's it. it. Two, three, four, thank you for listening. To our little podcast A podcast made you suffer Your ears are so angry We made you suffer for your own good Trust us, you'll love it We're actually trying to say goodbye you You don't need almond milk anyway Jesse, make him suffer Make that guitar suffer, Jesse Go ahead, comrade. Strike us down. Guitar, you will be sanctified. Thanks for listening to Fast God Stuff.